it sounds really good on my end. Hello, <laughs> hello. Hi. It is Saturday, July the 24th, 2021, and welcome to another episode of Banter with Jabisa and Tracy, or Banter with Tracy and Jabisa. Yay. Yay. All right, y'all, we got a lot of ground to cover, so we're going to get started with Jabisa, which is very interesting. I hope I can focus on what I have to say, because this is very interesting. Okay, right, well, we're going to give you a preview, though, just because we always give you a preview. We are going to look at um, an op-ed that was written by David Brooks from the New York Times, Holocaust versus Slavery. And also, the Maria Taylor has left ESPN and moved on. Yeah, you really um, can just say announcements, because that's about all. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just announcements. Um, the Bucks won. Woo, 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 woo. Okay, I was kind of rooting for them. I didn't really care who won, but I was rooting for them. So I'm happy that they won. Yeah. Um, and then I think I think that's pretty much it. Did I miss anything? Uh, no, I just had a little blurb about the billionaires in outer space. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to start off with I think, Tracy, you should start off with billionaires and out of... I love that. That should have been... Someone should write an article, billionaires and out of space. There you go. They probably did. Well, no, all I wanted to say about that is, you know, um, earlier this month on July 11th, I think Branson did it on the 20th this week, right? Yeah. Um, Jeff Bezos went to space. Now, I wasn't paying that close attention to it because I was just really annoyed at these men with these men with gazillions of dollars that they don't pay taxes on, you know, Jeff Bezos is really getting skewered for that, but that they, you know, spent all this money, used all these resources for them to take a jaunt to outer space. And then I find out they didn't go to space. They just went to the top of the atmosphere till where you, where um, gravity and they could, they floated around for like four minutes and then they came back. they didn't do anything they didn't take samples they didn't take pictures i mean anything that was helpful to society they went on a joyride for the very wealthy is what it was i love how you said that tracy that's exactly what i was thinking they were on a joyride a joyride it wasn't anything beneficial now jeff bezos tried to spin it when he came back saying that yeah we can do this for going forward for the future all and now that's cold for very wealthy people can also go on the same joyride if you got the money. Because one of the people that he took, he took the, uh, her name was Wally Funk, I think. She's 82 and she had trained in the 60s to be an astronaut. But, you know, back then for women, it just wasn't a thing. And she, she said, she did her interview saying that she was better than all of them. Like she, their endurance was better. They did, they passed whatever um, physical and mental tests they put them through the, the women did much better than men. So he invited her. And then the other young man was, I think 19. He's, and he, um, got on trip because his dad paid for him to go. His dad paid for his joyride. And so he got to go up there. Um, but I don't know, it's just a nuisance, like all the money that they have, I think there's a better use like to clean up this planet here because everybody ain't gonna be able to go to space to live. Some of us got to stay here because we can't afford it. And if we could find place um, ways to clean up our current planet and make it inhabitable for our future generations, that would be a better use of those funds. And then lastly, um, I heard that they don't get their wings. I think is what they call it because when they went there, they just, like I said, they took a joyride. They didn't do anything beneficial to mankind. They didn't do any work, if you will. They just went and came back. So they don't get their wings. So I don't know if they're going to go again because they want to be considered astronauts. I, I'm not sure. I don't know what goes for that. But yep, they, that little, that just what licked the red right off their little lollipop. <laughs> I never heard nobody say that before, <laughs> but I like that. I, I think, and I know we've kind of talked about this, that there is some social responsibility that you have. Yes. And, um, and, and so you and I now, and it's funny that, that as we're talking about this, because you and I went to see Summer of Soul. Yes. And one of the things that happened, if you haven't seen Summer of Soul, please go see it. It was absolutely wonderful mm-hmm. and informative and, 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 you know, it was just great. But one of the things that happened in the midst of the summer soul was a series of summer concerts that were held that that 
were held in Harlem. And so um, Lawrence Taylor or Taylor uh, Lawrence? No, it's um, Lawrence. Um, Lawrence was the last name. Is it Terry Lawrence? Oh, shoot, Jabisa. I can't remember. Lawrence Mr. is the Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, Lawrence, Mr. Lawrence. Lawrence is the last name. Yeah, put together the, these concerts. But anyway, on one of the days of the concerts, the first astronaut had landed in space. Landed and on so, the moon, yes. So they were interviewing the people of Harlem who were attending these concerts, and they were saying basically the same thing we're saying. Money could have been spent doing other things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so, the, I, you know, I think that's how we feel. And I, I, I want to say maybe it's just perspective, you know, because we are two Black women looking at two white men going up to, to the outer realms of Earth and coming back and, like, giving themselves high fives. High fives, like they really did some. Right thing. And, you know? and, 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 but we're also looking at poverty, um, you know, homelessness, um, mm-hmm. diseases, Yes, um, a pandemic. Pandemic, and, and, and in the same way, in the 60s, you still had some of these same social ills that are going yes. on. Yes, and Black folks are like, you know, we've got people who, who can't eat, but right. you're spending all this money going to space. So, right. And all you essentially did was just show us exactly how much money you have. Yeah, that's all it was. And then it was based really on uh, it's in what people don't want to, you know, they want to give them credit, but the technology came from the government. Right. They didn't, this wasn't no brand new technology that they came up with. You know, they were able to use the technology that the government has put a lot of time and energy and effort to allow them to to use that technology to to go on a joyride. So further further proving my point that it did nobody any good, just their, them and their egos. Yeah. 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 That's all. That's all it was. So anyway, moving on. Moving on, I read a um, an op-ed from um, David Brooks, and I've, I've seen him before. I've read some of his stuff before from um, the New York Times. It was written this week. Uh, I don't remember exactly what day, but it was written this week. And so he poses the question, how racist is America? And so I was like, oh, let me read, because I wanted <laughs> to know <laughs> how racist is America? And because my perspective is it's incredibly racist. It's incredibly racist, yes. <laughs> Once again, maybe it's, and, 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 and I'm not even going to say perspective, Tracy. I can't even say perspective, history. Mm-hmm. So he's, he starts off reading, starts off writing in an op-ed and he, he, and let me say touches, let me say touches upon, you know, um, systematic racism and touches, uh, you know, in regards to black folks and touches upon, um, the um, mistreatment of Native Americans, and then he goes on, and he and he he starts to compare immigrants and their push forward in in the United States to, and he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't. He doesn't say I'm comparing them, but he'll talk about black people. And then he says, as opposed to the immigrant experience, I'm like, okay, we're apples to oranges mm-hmm. because you can't talk about an enslaved person's right. experience compared to an immigrant's experience in the United right. States. Right. You know, that's just apples to oranges. So I had to read it a second time. And when he said that, I was like, oh, well, you're, you're whatever you're going to say now at this point is invalid. Invalid. It doesn't matter because you're comparing apples to oranges. For many immigrants who come to the United States, who have voluntarily come to this country mm-hmm. because they wanted to be here, right? It may have been some difficulties. Um, there may have been some prejudice and biases, um, but there was never any laws that were created to purposely prevent that person or groups of people from moving forward in this country as you have had in the United States in regards to black people. And I think that was something that was completely missed in his op-ed. So, cause they talk about the success of Asian Americans and the success of Hispanic Americans and how their, their um, presence in colleges is increasing and, 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 right, you know, and rightfully so, I don't want to boo-boo on anybody else's 
success, yeah, but you right. can't, but you can't do that. You can't compare apples to oranges. So that, that really. So did you get the sense that he was saying that these other groups are making successes here and black people aren't that's is that what he was saying that that was how i interpreted it there was um if you ever read the op-ed there was a a the last paragraph but it 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 yes that's what it sounded like that's how i read it it's like it is it is our fault yeah we're not making the successes that we should be making yeah can you respond to that? Is there a mechanism for you to say something? I think it should be addressed. Maybe he's just not aware of it. Because oh, there's there, there were plenty of plenty of people who um, responded. If you go, there's like thousands of responses, and some were supported what he said. Some some were some were opposed to it. Some pointed they out, point out the fact that the enslaved were exactly that enslaved and did not have a choice. Right. And, and that, but that wasn't the, interestingly, that wasn't the thing that was pointed out most, but that was the thing that came to mind for me, which brings us to our next topic. So uh, I've been listening to This American Life, which I absolutely love um, as I've been walking in the morning. And so on this particular episode, they were talking about time travel and you know, people who want to time travel. Now, this is by, by no means the, the sole answer. So they, they interviewed a number of people. And so many of the responses was reference to what, could you, what would you do if you were able to, ta- to travel? And most people wanted to travel back in time. And um, most people want to travel back in time and they would re- reference um, Hitler. And they would say, you know, I would kill him as a baby. I would make sure that he wasn't born. You know, I would beat him up in elementary school. But most of them reference that moment in time, which had me thinking, I, and I'm just guessing, but I imagine if we had to, um, people, if you were to question people in the United States and you were to ask them what was the worst thing that's ever happened in history, I think you could even say American history, to be honest, Tracy, because mm-hmm. remember, there's a Holocaust monument in the United States. Right. They would probably say the Holocaust. the Holocaust. Yes. Yes, they would. Now, Jabisa, I agree with that. I think we talked about this earlier. I agree with that because one, America cannot face its history because it was it was horrible and they know it was horrible. And so because they weren't technically responsible for the Holocaust, it was somebody else being the bad guy. They went in, they were the saviors, I mean, helping, you know, in the war to make it come to an end, rescuing the people in the concentration camps at the camps at the end of the war. So, yes, that is something that I believe they would say because it does not show shine any light on anything horrible that they did. Every aspect of their participation in that, they were the good guys. They were the, what was it, the white knights? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's. Is that what they used to say? You know, yeah, the white knight in short, in shining yeah. armor. It's, yes. So, and I, I just thought that was interesting that they, they in the interviews, they, they recorded, you know, a number of people referencing going back in, in here in the United States and somehow preventing Hitler from being able to do, to do the Holocaust, you know, do the Holocaust. And mm-hmm. I thought, wow, but nobody ever said anything about stopping the slave ships from coming preventing lynchings, um, changing laws so that, you know, um, helping, helping Blacks escape slavery. I mean, nobody, nobody said anything about helping the Native Americans, um, changing laws, making sure that their land was not taken. Right. Yeah, th- no, those things. That. Right. Because so, so then I all of that benefited them. Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly right. It's true. You're not going to do anything that's going to be harmful. That not. That that's going to benefit you. One little hair on the Confederates people's head. So then I told Tracy, I was like, I am really interested to see, you know, if you if you try to compare them, you know, you could try to compare them numbers to numbers, and Mm -hmm. and you you can and you can't kind of sort of. Right. But if you were, if we were to try to two, which is what I did. So if you look at it, um, when you talk about. There is a there is there were seven million Jews who were killed 
over a four-year period from 1941 to 1945. That's four years. Yes. Seven million, six million Jews. That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot. And that's, that's awful. Horrific. Yes, it is. It's awful, which is why we, we still talk about it. Unfortunately, there's no um, true calculation of the number of slaves that have been either killed, um, either like killed by a master or um, died from disease. There's no accountability of the number of slaves who have died during slavery in all the years that it did exist. Um, there is a, a kind of a round figure of about 4,000, um, between 4,000 to 5,000 Black people who were lynched, and that still is probably an undercount. So they do have that, but there's no kind of accounting of how many slaves were killed during the years of slavery. And we're not even going beyond that, just during years of slavery. But we do know, what we do know is that during the slave trade, which started in 1562 and ended in 1867, even though it wasn't supposed to be going on that long, but it was still going on. Mm -hmm. There were 12.5 million um, Africans taken from Africa and enslaved um, throughout the world. Of that 12.5 million, 10.7 million of them made their way to the United States. So there were 10.7 Africans who were enslaved or taken and enslaved in the United States. Um, by the time the Civil War began, there were actually 4 million slaves in the United States. Now in those, going back to the Holocaust, so in those four years of the Holocaust, there was experimentations, there were scientific experimentations that were done on, their, on the bodies and, 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 and of the, of the um, um, medical experimentations, I'm sorry, that was done on the bodies of these people of Jews, there were the concentration camps, which were labor camps. You know, they were, they were enslaved for a period of time and they were doing labor and they were not being paid. Um, there was segregation. They had moved Jews into separate areas of, of um, towns, cities, communities, and, um, and then the extermination camps. So that went on for four years. Um, from 1562 to 2021, we have had, um, ongoing, you've had slavery, you have had plantations, we have had Jim Crow, we've had segregation, um, we've had redlining when you're talking about housing, you've had lynching, um, you've had experimentations during slavery and after slavery. You know, everybody refers to the Tuskegee Institute, and that's the ones that we know about. There are probably ones that we don't know about. I believe. Um, it. But these things have all been ongoing um, and, and similar to um, what happened to the Jews in, in the Holocaust, it has been government, not sanctioned, but government enforced and government created. Ours has been the same. You know, when people talk about systematic racism, it really, me, it's not just that it's in the system and it's happening, but that it is supported by the government. The government has implemented these, these things. The government has implemented, um, when you talk about redlining um, places where people live and not being from Columbia, I always thought it was interesting. We always lived on military bases, first of all. So when we lived in Columbia, I, and I thought it was interesting, there would be certain neighborhoods that were white neighborhoods and certain neighborhoods that were black neighborhoods. And, and you know, you just kind of assume that's how it is. But the reason that it's that way is that there was, there was there's redlining where you had government rules set in place that would determine where blacks would live. And so oftentimes blacks would be delegated to a industrial area. So then you're talking about environmental segregation, environmental um, discrimination, where they're in these bad areas where there's pollutants and the water's possibly poisoned and what have you, but they're saying, this is where you're gonna live. And then you have Heathwood Hall with the sidewalks and the trees and no businesses and it's just purely residential. So all of these things are government sanctioned. All, this, all these things are government created, not because sanction just means like the government's like, okay, we'll agree with that. No, they're government created. And so mm -hmm. this has been ongoing for, for 
hundreds of years and in, in, in many ways still occur today. So, um, and then the, but the biggest difference, the, well, not the biggest difference. Another difference is that the Jews were, they got reparations. They, they, they've got an apology and there has been forms of, of them getting some type of care maybe in certain situations they got social services were provided. So those survivors of the Holocaust received medication. Um, they had long-term care um, that was paid for. Um, those who were enslaved labor, some of them got um, cash money. So there's some reparation, some acknowledgement that they have been wronged in some way and that we're going to to compensate you in some shape, form, or fashion. And the compensation didn't always come from the government. Sometimes it, it came from businesses that benefited from this, the um, slave labor. Not happened in the United States. Mm -hmm. And then in the United States, you know, it's they act like reparations is something that you just can't do. Yes, they can't. All the things that they can think about and innovations that they can make, they just cannot formulate a plan to do it. They, they say, y'all had Barack Obama. That's it. Drop the mic. <laughs> so, um, and the more, I think sometimes the more I learn, the more I, I'm, I'm kind of torn between being disheartened and proud because it's like at one, in one end, it's despite all of this, despite mm -hmm. all of this. I mean, it, you know, once again, what I tell you, it's kind of like that, that, that sperm trying to impregnate the egg, you know, <laughs> everybody's like, no, you can't make it. No, you can't make it. And there's like thousands of them trying going to go in there. one gets in there, you know, and he makes it, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, despite all these things that people are throwing at us on a regular basis, like every day yes. you know, we get up, every day we get up, there's somebody throwing something at us and we still get up and we still do. We're still, and we're still here. And we're still here. Within I was saying that. I think the fact that there are, are black people in this country, you know, alive and well and uh, living well and doing well is nothing short of miraculous because we were not at really ever given a true help, a hand or anything. Yeah. Anything that was given to us was, you know, half hearted, half handed, um, wasn't really helpful, you know, probably in name only or, you know, these, this was to benefit you, but it, it really didn't. So yeah. the fact I, that we took um, lemons and made lemonade. Many times over. Many it's times a, it's, a, it's a testament to, to us mm -hmm. as a people. It really is. But I, I think we as a people, and, I, and when you talk about the, the critical race theory, you talk about Black History Month, you know, there's a lot of things that Black folks don't know. There's a lot of things that, yes. you know, a, a lot of things that I don't know. And I consider myself well-versed. But there's a lots of things that I don't know. So if, if I don't know them, then you know white folks don't know them either. Um, but part of it is, you know, how do you how do you acknowledge some atrocities that were done? I mean, when you talk about the lynchings and people standing outside and they're making it a picnic and, yes. and they're making postcards and they're sending it to family and friends. And friends and bringing your small children. Right. You know, so. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, you know, I would, if I was somebody white, I would like, well, you know, I didn't do that. Well, you know what? Somebody I did. Cause there was I wouldn't want to see it either. Yes. But there was I, a I big know. crowd of people. So for everybody who said that I didn't do that in my family, dude, that's not true. Cause there was a crowd of people. It'd be different if it was one or two people standing there, but there was like a, right. whole, it was a of whole bunch of people, whole towns and in, um, communities right. coming out for this. So if you may not have done it, but your papa and your mama were there. Right, but but they want to deny that too. So that, but that's a whole another that's a whole another topic. Um, but I did want to share that because I think people need need to know that you know we can't do apples to oranges. You know mm -hmm. you can't do apples to oranges. Once again, but I have found that in conversations when you start talking about maybe you know leaving monuments up and things like that, and you say, oh well, do you think it'll be okay to keep a monument of Hitler up? You know, there's no monuments mm -hmm. of Hitler in Germany. Not one. No, you, know, you don't. You're not naming. You're not naming buildings after the scientists who did experimentations on 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 um, Jews. Mm -mm. You know, you 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 would be. It's like no, you wouldn't do that. But it's okay. It's okay here because they don't see it as really wrong. It right. was just. It was the way it was. 
it was that what they call it the necessary evil or something like that i can't remember what the i heard a term for uh, necessary evil i don't think was it but that's the way that, it was yeah, the way it was way. it's the way it was and so therefore it's okay if you have these monuments because back then during the way it was these were great people these were great you know doctors that were doing the experimentations these were great men that were you know brutalizing a whole race of people for their own benefit without with very with no consideration to the people that you were abusing that they didn't get anything but that's the other thing people want to talk but who was it great to and who was it great for it was great for them right but then if you're going to have a public monument then that public monument should be representative of all the people there you know it who was it who was the the um was it jackson who did the um native americans who did a lot of killing of the Native Americans? I can't remember which president it was, but you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't put a you wouldn't put a monument of him in the middle of a Native American reservation. You just wouldn't. You know, that it's like you know he may have been great to you, but he was not great to us. Mm-hmm. So I think people have to start thinking about that when you talk about who was he great for. Yeah, but he wasn't great for us. Mm-mm. And so since us as part of this society, then we have to be careful about who we put out there. Right. Yeah. All right. right. Ooh, so, that was very good. All right. Those are all. Okay. Well, I'm going to segue a little bit into um, not this isn't really what Jabisa was talking about, but this is just an example of our um, ability to to help ourselves because that's what everybody's expecting us to do. Um, I, I don't know where Jabisa's a lot of stuff comes to me. I'm looking through a lot of stuff. I don't remember, rarely remember where I see stuff at, but I found the Freedom Farm Cooperative. Um, I, I like this story because it was about Black people helping themselves and working together to achieve a common goal of economic security. Um, it was started by Fannie Lou Hamer, who was a civil rights um, giant. Um, she did so many things, but the one thing that I'm going to talk about that she did was um, establishing the Freedom Farm Cooperative they gave land for the black community to own and to farm collectively to help themselves economically because she saw that you know the history of discrimination from the government for black farmers people having to be sharecroppers and not getting any part of the ownership um, it was food insecurity um, and you know it didn't seem as the government cared so she said she's going to do that she got a money, a donation from the Milwaukee, from the Measure for Measure, which is a charitable organization based in Wisconsin. Now, I'm not sure why Wisconsin was going to give money to the people in um, Mississippi, Mississippi, but they did. And so she started with that and she got donations from other people. Like, now, I couldn't find this myself, but someone said I had talked about a Harry Belafonte oh. um, may donate, you know, help with this. But anyway, so they, um, some of the crops that they had were um, soybeans. Um, they did vegetables, cash crops. She even had a pig farm. Wow. Where they grew pigs and the community like could sell some for profit mm-hmm. and then they could keep them and, you know, slaughter them for their own use. And it started in 1969, which was very important, but it was only a couple of years because, um, you know, Miss um, Hamer couldn't keep her, couldn't keep her eye on everything that she was doing. So it kind of fell by the wayside. But for uh, from 1969 to the mid 70s, it was on and popping with the Freedom Farm Cooperative. And it just, I think, clarifies that one, if pe- Black people or any people get together, pull their resources right. and in in their work and in, in work as a community, the things that you can accomplish. She's often, um, I mean, she's starting to really get more recognition, but I mean, just an incredible woman. Yes, that's what I said. I'm surprised that she's not like one of the, like you hear Harriet Tubman all the time yeah. and Sojourner Truth and stuff, but right. you don't hear about her. And then the thing, she was married with children. So yeah. she had work life to balance too. <laughs> <laughs> she probably didn't do no self-care. No, I don't think she did. 
<laughs> but yeah, she she is one of those those people. I, I I put her up there with Ida B. Wells. They are just not given the recognition yes. for the things that they did. That they did, um, yeah. and they did many 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 things. But you know, kudos to her. And mm-hmm. there may be other things going on that we're not aware of, but if we find out, we will share it with you guys. Exactly. And there's, there's so much, like you said, there's so much of the atrocities that we don't know. There's so much of the good things and people that have been doing and helping in their communities that we just, that we don't know about. So, so we're going to work on highlighting those. I, I love that idea, Tracy. That just came to us just right now at the very moment. A lot of stuff does. <laughs> just, <laughs> we, they say this a lot on TikTok. I was today years old when I learned this or whatever. <laughs> It was my aha moment. Aha. Aha. And so did, now you had something else too, didn't you? The um, oh. cultural pro- appro- appropriation. Yes. Okay. So I was in Charlotte and my aunt and uncle wanted to go to a soul food restaurant. And I'm not, let me, let me just say this. First of all, I'm not a huge soul food restaurant fan because these are things that I can cook at my home. So, or my mom has cooked at my home. So the idea of going out to eat soul food is not something that I normally do. But anyway, they want to go to the soul food restaurant. So we go to this restaurant, we walk in and it's, you know, the, the two meats and two vegetables kind of thing. And they had the standard soul food fare, um, meatloaf, baked chicken fried, chicken fried fish. Um, then they had your greens, your green beans, your black eyed peas, sweet potatoes. Um, and then you had your desserts. And I remember um, they had like, I kept thinking it was cheesecake, but it was like a strawberry cake and banana pudding. And then I thought, first I thought, oh, that's a strawberry cheesecake, but it was just a strawberry cake. And then then I thought, oh, they have cheesecake. But when I kept looking at the cheesecake, it was at the bottom in the little plastic container. It was a little um, moisture, which I thought was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, well, they got to sell this cheesecake sooner. It's going to go bad. So I'm looking at the menu and I look at the desserts and it says tres leches. And I'm like, that's three milks. And that's, that's very much a Hispanic, Latina, Latino, Latina, Hispanic dish. So we, we order and, you know, everything's, you know, it's big series of menus up top and we order. And I noticed that the um, young lady taking our order is Latina. Then I noticed that everybody in there was Latina cooking the food or serving the food. And everybody in there eating was black. So I, I go to my aunt and uncle. I said, am I the only one that notices this? Like, where else would you go in America to find a Mexican restaurant run solely by black people and Mexicans are coming to eat there? I don't see that happening. So I have an issue. I do. I had an issue with these Latino women. You know, great for them having their own business. Um, and I don't know if it was their business, but these Latino women were serving this soul food and it was good food. I can't say the food was bad. The food was good to black people and nobody black seemed to have a problem with this. And I did. And so I'm going through and we're going to talk about this a little bit, but there's a, 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 a app, an app called Eat Okra where it'll list all the black owned businesses. So I'm going through this little app with my aunt and uncle talking about see how many black owned soul food restaurants we could have went to as opposed to going to this. Because at the end of the day, they're serving food that is culturally native to black folks, to black people getting black money, but they are not employing black people. And I just, I just had a real issue with that. And I'm thinking, and, and, I, and the, even the name, the name kind of indicated that it was, it was like, I think it was like Soul Central, Soul Food or something like that. Like it was a playoff of South Central. So you, you knew it was something Black. And I don't know if they were sitting there talking about, we got to make sure it's a name that's something Black people will recognize. So there was nothing, you know, walking in that would make you think that it was Latina run. And unless they may, and maybe I could be completely wrong. Maybe the Black people were not working that day. I don't know. But there were none that day. And I'm fairly confident (laughs) that that's pretty much the norm there. Um, So it was just a reminder that we are so easily ripped off as black people and we so easily allow it. And not that I want the business to be shut down, but I kind of want the business to be shut down. 
you know, I, I don't, you know, so that was my. Maybe not necessarily shut down, but just maybe give back to the community by hiring, you know, people that the soul food is catered to. Like the people that were patronizing the um, establishment should, there should be people working, the working there that look like those patrons. But, but probably not until they get to, I mean, it's the same thing with the, you know, for their hair, hair supply stores are just now starting to hire black people. Yes. And the reason they were able to get away with that for so long is because we went there yep. and because they, they didn't have to know the hair product. We would know the hair product. I remember going to the hair store and talking to a cosmetologist, not the person at the counter because she couldn't do nothing for me. Right. And asking her, the, the person at the counter at that point, when I went in there, English wasn't fluent, mm-hmm. but they weren't even trying to help. They were just at the counter and all they did was run your product up, told you the amount, you gave them the money and they gave you the change. So there was never any customer service involved. It was, it was very much self-service. You know, we were going to hair, hair product places that were Asian owned and it was strictly self-service. If we couldn't figure it out ourselves by reading the back of pa- packages or talking to somebody else, they were not going to help us, but we still went to those places. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't. I, I didn't. I went to settle sometimes because settles is black owned in, in South Carolina. I went to settle uh-huh. sometime. Um, but let's just be honest. There was the convenience of it too. But now you're starting to have those, those places, um, where they're employing, employing black people. Yes. And then I think some black people are opening those businesses because they know those products. They know what it will do for our hair because they actually have the kind of hair that the products are used on and they can tell you, Oh, this works good. I would try that. Yeah. And even if you don't have, cause what, what I've, I've learned, um, you know, in this whole natural phase, I'm going to say Phase, but I, I I don't have um, ke- chemicals in my hair anymore. But what I have learned is what works good for my hair because I've watched many YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> May not be what works good in your hair, and that's the thing that which is why I stopped watching YouTube videos on black hair because I would just be just I was like I'm doing it like she's doing it on YouTube, and two hours later my hair does not look like hers. So, you know, you have to kind of figure out the products, but you have to have some knowledge of the product. You know, you, you do need to have some kind of knowledge of the product. And that that's any good beautician has real good knowledge of a product, whether they use it on their hair and it worked or not, they can still tell you this is a product because this is going to do this, 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 this. So, but anyway, so yes. So I say this to say that we as Black people need to be conscious of where we're spending our dollars. Yep. And making sure that our dollars are also benefiting us and our community. And even though the food was good, and it was, <laughs> I'm not gonna take. I can't deny that. I can't deny it was good. I can't deny the food. The fried chicken was good. You know, but it was standard. You know, it wasn't nothing fabulous. It was standard. You know, it wasn't bad, but it was standard. It was very mm-hmm. standard. Um, soul food fair. So. Okay. That was my thing. Yeah, was I'm going to go ahead and do my black business then, Tracy. Okay. Um, all right. Go ahead. Right, I so, just have a couple of, I just had a couple of announcements. So go ahead. Okay. <laughs> let me, let me, I'm going to go ahead and plug in. As I had mentioned earlier, usually we feature black businesses, but there's so many other black websites. And so this time it's, it's a black app. So th- I mentioned it as I was telling the story, but it's Eat Okra is the name of the app. And what Eat Okra does, well, it will locate for you um, black owned businesses, um, eateries, restaurants in your area. Now I will say this because I looked at the one that represented the area that I'm in and some of the places they listed, I don't think were necessarily black owned and those were definitely larger restaurants. So I I like, I think they had Mr. Friendly on Eat Oprah. Mr. Friendly is not black owned. So I don't know how they got made their way on there, but the vast majority of the ones that were on there were, were on um, black owned. So if you're, you know, visiting a different town and you want to support a black owned business, it's a really great resource that you can take advantage of that, um, that you can have on your phone, handy dandy type in the zip code or area. Um, and they'll give you a nice list of the businesses, time, location, um, types of food, and what have you. So it's it's a it's a very nice app. You know, they, you can tell they put a lot of work into a quality app. So um, if you get a chance, download Eat Okra. 
and, um, and take advantage of supporting those restaurants. Okay. All right. So now for a couple of announcements in the quote, and we'll wrap this up. Um, Maria Taylor from our last episode could not reach an agreement um, with ESPN. So she is no longer with them. She is with um, NBC now. And I saw her um, doing a little segment on the Olympics. So she got to work right away. Oh, wow. Um, well, good for her. Good for her. Good for, I am, I'm, I'm happy for her. I hope that's a very good partnership that she does well there and continues um, her trajectory of success in her career. And then um, my next announcement was I got tickled because I heard that the Republicans are walking back their stance against getting vaccinated. Now, you know, the big uh, plan for them was to keep as many of their people from getting vaccinated to um, show that the Biden administration was not you know, making good on their promises of getting the pandemic under control so that when the midterms come around next November, then they can have that to run on because they're not going to have any ideas of their own, any platforms that they're going to be able to stand on. So all they're going to be able to say to get, you know, control, gain control of the House and the Senate is what, what the Biden administration did not do. Right. But they're walking it back now because apparently some numbers that are coming through that they are believing it's not, they don't think it's fake or um, overblown is that their people are really um, suffering and dying from the new variant that's out because they refuse to get vaccinated. So now they're all just harping on get vaccinated. I guess they are thinking now that they won't be around to vote for us in 2022. That's the only reason they're doing it. If they, <laughs> I think well, if they can get away with letting as many people go as possible, they wouldn't, but they just don't want to, you know, because it, the numbers were so close with Democrats and Republicans, they don't want a chance and they need every, every vote. vote that they can get. And contrary to what 45 says, dead people really can't vote. They, they can't. But I, now I was listening. Okay. I listen to NPR all the time mm-hmm. in Arkansas. They have a 30%. I think she said, 20 or 30% rate of um, people getting vaccinated. So vast majority of, of people not vaccinated. So they were talking to a, a, a physician and, um, who worked in, in the intensive care in the COVID area. Mm-hmm. And she said the difference between the um, coronavirus of a year ago and what's happening now with this Delta variant is that they're coming in younger. Mm-hmm. You know, they're coming in in their 40s and in their 30s. And she said... Um, they're not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And she said that where before sometimes when people would be on the um, ventilator for, you know, 30 and 60 days before they, they just could not make any more. She said that they were dying within 10, 10 to 15, 10 to 14 days. Wow. You know, so they, they wow. put them on a ventilation and within 10 to 14 days, they're dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then this, this Delta spreads, if an unvaccinated person has the Delta virus, they are likely to spread it to three and a half to four. I don't know how you do a three and a half person, but anyway, <laughs> they're likely to spread it to about four people. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I, as an unvaccinated, and I'm vaccinated, but if I was unvaccinated and had the Delta virus, that means that I could spread it to four people. And if I spread it to somebody else who's unvaccinated, they will spread it to four people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so you could just see how quickly it starts to move yes. around. Yep, that's so. Um, and the fact that that people are not wearing wearing masks mm-hmm. will allow it to spread even more. Right. We've had the NBA finals just finished up, and we had crowds of people. Yes. Oh my gosh! Did you yeah. see them? Oh. Yeah. And so. That's going to be a couple of weeks. We'll know how that, how that. And and that's the thing that's going to start happening is that, you know, we're starting to have these large functions, these large um, gatherings of people without masks. And it's very um, dangerous variant, uh, another dangerous variant that, Mm -hmm. that moves much quicker. Mm -hmm. And the um, symptoms are, are even more vague than before so that that's 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 a little scary which means that i'm it's a lot of scary yeah you know and i and even as a vaccinated person tracy yes i'm still skeptical because even if i was to get covid now my symptoms you know i should not die 
and my you sister shouldn't die. Yeah, right. I should not die. My sister should, should not, not be an operative words. Right. No guarantee. Um, but then you hear these, you know, these stories of people who have COVID and all these things have happened to them. They you know, these long term effects, and it's like I just, I just don't want don't to want it. Right. I, I don't want. You know, I, I'll yeah. take a cold any day. You know, mm-hmm. and I've had the flu, and I was miserable as all outdoors with the flu. But you know, when you recover from the flu, you know that there's no long term effects. You know, it's right. not a, it's not a crap. You know, COVID's mm-hmm. a crapshoot. It is. You know, if you catch it, you could come out well, and you could just come out poorly. So, mm-hmm. but that's that was my little spiel. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Next. Oh, the next announcement is the movie Respect is coming out to coming to theaters on August the 13th. It chronicles the life of Aretha Franklin who is being played by Jennifer Hudson. And so I just want, I saw a little preview of that and it looked good. Um, no, Oprah interviewed Jennifer Hudson and I looked, I didn't see the whole interview. I don't know if for, I, my, my adult onset ADD keeps me from watching most things th- through their entirety. But um, <laughs> um, Sean Wayans is playing her husband, her first husband in that. And I just thought it was, no, so funny he, because he's a he's like a comedic actor. It's and Marlon. So I, oh, it's Marlon, Marlon Wayans. Okay, Marlon Wayans. Yes. Well, they're comedic actors. Yes. And I just wanted to see how he did it in a serious role. So I, that's another reason too. I wanted to see like how he did because I'm used to looking at him and just laughing. Yes. Yes. But I was surprised. I was surprised. I didn't realize really? that he was in it. Um, my daughter, we've been watching his show, Marlon, on um, Netflix. Mm-hmm. And um, and the family's really interesting because they all name their kids after each other. So, so like, the brother will name um, somebody Marlon. Somebody mm-hmm. else will name the... They just, the, so those names will carry on through their family. Okay. So I thought that was... And, and there's some of them are juniors, but I thought that was interesting that they still do that name around... But uh-huh. yes, because he plays a comet, although his afro looks really bad. The little bit of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just, I, well, that's what I said. That's why I wanted, made that announcement because that's funny. Yeah, and then um, the last one, we said this earlier, the um, Bucks won. I was happy that they won. But, you know, I think I was rooting for the Suns because they didn't have, they've never had a championship, but they didn't play like they wanted to win. So, um, but the star of the Bucks team is the, they call him the Greek freak, which I, I do not really like that, yeah, I don't like that nickname, but you know, he's, he's super tall. He's like six something, six eleven, And you know, he's a big guy, but he played, he played his little heart out. He did a good, he did a good job, but his name is Giannis, which I think that's Greek, right? I think Giannis is Greek. Yeah. And then his last name is African, but he identifies if that's, I think that's what people are using now. He identifies as a Greek citizen and you know he's african he's nigerian (laughs) not but still he's not well you know he he grew up in greece and all that but i just thought that so interesting and so i was telling jabisa i said well i think that's some of my ignorant bias coming out like being surprised that there's a black greek guy well i mean they're black londons they're you know they're they're people who are black English, black English people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we do. We do have to, there was somebody was talking about our own biases. Yes. Well, because if you immigrate to a country as a, as a child, mm-hmm. you know, as particularly as a very young child, um, you become part of that, that country and that culture. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we have a lot of physical association with who belongs where. So right. we're looking at him, that's and we're thinking exactly. he doesn't belong in Greece. That's right. That's what I was doing. That's exactly what right. I did. It's my own bias. Yeah. Saying that, hmm, you know, I just had a, I just, I'm, I'm fine with it now, but I had difficulty reconciling that. Well, you know, that happens in the, in the States as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a young woman looking at her, you know, I thought, Asian, which, you know, was a poor thing to chunk people into one large group. Um, right. But she opened her mouth and I, she had just the heaviest Alabama um, accent I'd, have, I'd ever, I was like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and so you had to reconcile it. You said, okay, I got to just process this. 
Yes, exactly, Tracy. Like I said, reconcile because it's like, well, okay, yeah, well, clearly she's from Alabama. <laughs> Didn't think that when I looked at her, but she is nope. definitely from Alabama. No, nope. um, you know that the changing, you know, this changing face of what does an American okay. look like? What does look it look like? like? Yeah, what exactly, does, exactly. Yeah, so. What does anybody look like? You can't look at a person and just automatically assume that they are what you, you know, think they are. You got to. That's where you got to get to know people, get to know your communities and everybody's in it because we literally are a melting pot. That's what the country is. That's what, that's what's on the um, logo or the, that's what, that's what, that's what we're advertising it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I know, like you said, we have to, I love that reconcile that's, and pretty much that's what happens in those few yeah. moments of, of looking and hearing and realizing it's like and adjusting it's like okay yes <laughs> and adjusting I think that's the part where you make the progress when you adjust yeah when you, you don't adjust. just stop there this is this is what I expect for her or him to look like be from act like or whatever right and when, when if they're you know if you see something different then you reconcile it and you accept that okay this is what it is and it's cool yeah so, yep and so I'm gonna finish up with the quotes I don't know who the author of this was, but I liked it at the time. Um, True abundance is feeling worthy enough to believe beyond what you can see. Oh, and you know what I say? Say it twice. True abundance is feeling worthy enough to believe beyond what you can see. And with that, till next time. Bye. Bye.